Hello and welcome back to the Audio DT with Reb T, the Audio Devar Torah with Reb T, the show where we talk about the Parsha of the week with some practical lessons to keep. We are in Parsha's Noach. Let us look a little bit at the character of Noach himself. Who was Noach? Why is the whole Parsha about Noach? Noach was one of the generations way after Adam, and there were, I believe, ten generations or so from Adam to Noach, and then there were ten generations or so from Noach to Avram, maybe. The number ten is very famous in uh, Perkei Avos, and it explains the generations that goes about. Of course, if I'm wrong, I apologize. But the idea of Noach himself was a very interesting character, very perplexing character. The Parsha starts off saying, Ela told us Noach, Noach ish tzaddik tamim hayav bedorosav. Noach, this is Noach, he was a tzaddik in his generation, in his days. What does that come to teach us? What does that come to tell us? And we're going to look at another Pasuk in a minute. But even before that, why the name Noach? Isn't Noach an interesting name? We have a whole lecture about names, the prominence of the names and the elements of the names. Names are very powerful and they indicate something about our nature, something about our stature, something about our essence. So what does Noach mean? Noach means comfort. So why the name Noach? Tanchuma points out, he will comfort us. He will ease from off of us, Yenachamenu, the toil of our hands. For until Noach came, people had no agricultural instruments and he prepared such for them. The earth had brought forth thorns and thistles when they sowed wheat in consequence of the curse imposed upon them from Adam Arishon in the days of Noah, however, this ceased. The Radak on Beratius explains, Noah invented the plow, thus becoming a great benefactor of mankind. He trained oxen and donkeys to pull a plowshare, thus easing the labor the farmers had to perform. This was the Mima'asai, relief and consolation he provided for all of the human species. When Lamech referred to what we had to do with our hands, from what we had to do with our hands, he meant that henceforth, due to his son, animals, Yadenu, could perform some of the labor, which up until then had been performed by each farmer literally with his own hands. In accepting this interpretation, we must assume that the name Noach was not bestowed on Noach at birth. In spite of Noach having invented the plow, people after him continued to work very hard to gain their livelihood through tilling the soil. However, he had definitely made their chores easier due to his clever invention. Thinking about names, thinking about essence, Noah's name showed to the generation he invented this wonderful instrument, this wonderful idea to help people in their toil. What do we do with our hands? What do we invent? What do we implement? What do we bring to the world with our being here? We know we're given 120 years. We know we're supposed to bring our qualities. We're supposed to bring our capabilities. We're supposed to bring our special talents. What do we do with them? How do we bring them about? What do we do to be involved in the world with our hands? What can we do to be a yenachamenu? Ze yenachamenu. He will comfort us. He will help us. He will ease things for us. How do we do so? You can use any of your talents to talk about this all the time to bring easement to the world, to bring comfort to the world. If you have an idea for a show, you like to speak with your voice like I do, then use your voice. If you like to write, use your writing. You like to comment. You like to share. You like to 
review things. What can you do to ease things for others, to introduce things to others, to help out others? If you're a reader or you're really good with math, you're really good with numbers, you're really good with anything, what can you do to ease up the elements of the world? Like Noah, Yenach eased up things around him. He used his hands to ease things up. So that's the idea of the name Noah. What does it mean is in his generations, Bedorotav, Tzadik Tamim Hayah Bedorotav. Why didn't it just say Tzadik Hayah? He was a Tzadik. Why does it say in his generation? So Rashi picks up and says some of our sages interpret the word Bedorotav in his generation favorably. How much more so? He was great in his generation. How much more so? If he had lived in a generation of righteous people, he would have been even more righteous. But others interpreted derogatorily. In comparison with his generation, he was righteous. But if he had been in Avraham's generation, he would not have been considered of any importance. Rashi points that out. And it's brought up in Sanhedrin 108, and Barashas Rabbah, in Lamed, and also Tanakh Noach. So the Tanakhum and Noach also in his generations, in comparison to his generation and later generations, had he been in a more righteous generation or if he was later, when there was a very righteous person of Avram, we're going to come to him next week, one of my favorite characters, if not the favorite character in the entire Tanakh, especially the Torah. I very much love Avraham and his character. We're coming to him soon. But this week we're talking about Noah. If he was in that generation of Avraham, maybe he would have been different. Brings to mind for us, what do we do in our own generation? How do we contribute in our own generation? Are we different than our forebears? How would we have been in their generation? How are we in our generation? Had we been in their generation, would we have been any better than any of them? Lo, Elena, we should never know from such things. But during the time of World War II, how would we have stood up? How could we judge anyone else in any other time in history when we ourselves, we don't know how we'd stand up in, in reference to anything around us? They were heads and shoulders above us, many of them, with their faith, with their ability to trust in Hashem, believe in Hashem, even with the horrors and the atrocities of the Holocaust in World War II. And going many years back, before that, before World War I, before World War II, all the way back to the Inquisition, all the way to the times of the Chorban based in English, how would we have stood up? How would we have withstood? So when we read the generations, when we read the stories in Tanakh, we shouldn't be too quick to judge. Don't be the only judge. Don't be a judge. And Al-Tadinah do not judge your friend unless you're in his place. Two instances of Pirkeavas that they warn against judging others. Do not judge others. You're never going to be in his place unless you actually are in his place. Whether he has an addiction or an affliction, whether he has a bad meat, a bad trait, don't judge another person. You don't know what you would be like in his situation. Don't judge people in history. Don't say, ah, if I was in their generation, I would have been much better. You don't know what you would have been like. There's a famous story in the Gemara. The Gemara wonders how someone like Menashe, who had a great, great father of Chizkiah, one of the greatest righteous kings of all time, he ran, he was rampant in Avodazara, and the Gemara wonders, the sages wonder, how could it be that Avodazara was so rampant? How could these kings run to serve idols? It doesn't make sense to us. It doesn't appeal to us, and it doesn't, it boggles the mind. It really doesn't reach us. We can't really understand. Menashe comes to the sage in a dream and says, if you were in my generation, you would lift up your cloak and you would run to Avodazara. You don't understand what we went to in our generation. You don't understand the Appeal. The sages fought, the Gemara talks about the fought and asked and prayed Hashem to please remove the avo- the, the, the desire, the, the Yetzirah for Avodah Zarah. Please Hashem take it away from us. We don't want it. 
and Hashem took it away. The Gemara also explains, I believe, the sages went and asked to take away the 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 desire for immorality for for Gilead rice and all elements involved, but even the animals would not be with each other and, and there were no more chicken eggs and there was an, and a shortage of food and it was very, very bad. So they had to reinstate it, but they asked for it to be lesser than it was in the past. And even on the level we have now, it's the major, major taina of our generation. I believe Rabbi Schaefer talks about that in his schmoozes. Also, that's the main, main taina of this generation. The Yetzirah is let loose throughout the whole society, the whole world. And other generations had their own milos, had their own difficulties that they had to deal with. One generation ain't going to work on Saturday. They they had major trouble every week. They might have had to find a new job because they weren't going to work on Shabbos. But that might be what our generation is. But we can't judge any other generation. And we can't say how we would have been in another generation. As we look here, Rashi talking about Bedorah Tov in his generations, this is what he was. This is how he was in his generation. We can't compare him to other generations. Maybe he would have been better in another generation. Maybe he would have been worse. But in his generation, this is what he did. In our generation, the generation we live right now, what are you doing? How are you in comparison to your current peers? How are you in comparison to those around you, to secular society around you? Okay, you might have bad traits, you might have bad afflictions, addictions, you might have bad things you have to work at and you have to work against, but as a whole, 99% of you, what are you like compared to your peers? What are you like compared to secular society? What do you do with your time? What do you do with your efforts? What do you do with your hands? What do you do to contribute to make society more comforted, to make society more eased up, to make society allowed to have a better, more functional, independent life. That's the point of the OT show that we do, bringing functional independent ideas to try to ease up elements of life. What can we do with different abilities, capabilities, qualities we might feel that we have that Hashem gave us to help out in society. That's why we're talking about Bedorotov. We're in this generation. We don't know what we would have been like in our parents' generation, in our grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-great-great-great, all the way back to many, 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 many moons ago, to many, 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 many years ago. We don't know. We can't compare ourselves. And it says Bedorotov to teach this is what Noah was in his generation. But even so, how much an effect did Noah have on the world? If we think about it, unfortunately, his characteristic ability, his personality, again, we're not judging, we're just comparing. His personality was vastly different than Avram. We know Avram, it says, All the souls he made in Haran. Apparently, Avram and Sarah were very good at Kirov, were very good at transforming people. Noah maybe was very good at transforming himself, because we're going to see in a second. But Avram had said, or whatever the language is, the souls they made in Haran. But Avram and Sarah only had Yitzchak and Yishmael. At, at those years and those times. What do you mean the souls you made in Haran? Who are the souls you made? So I believe Rashi picks up. It's all the men Avraham converted. All the men Avraham brought close to Hashem. And Sarah was all the women Sarah brought close to Hashem. They were able to transform, bring those people around them. They were able to, to have that kind of a personality. But not everyone has the care of personality. Some people are just able to introspect and be introverted to work on themselves and their immediate family. And that might be what Noah was. Noah, who did he save? Who was he able to save? Noah saved himself, his wife, his three children, and their wives. The eight of them, Noah, his wife, and the three kids, and the three of them, the eight of them, were saved in the Teva. What about all the other people? He was building the Teva for how many years? Was he able to reach any person? 
Different personality, different capability. Some say that there might have been more he could have done. Well, we can't judge, of course. We're just pointing out that there are different personalities. If you're not someone who's extroverted to be a Kirov person, maybe just work on yourself. Maybe work on helping those around you. How could you and your wife, you and your kids, you and your family, and you and your friends work on doing things to be marbits toward, to be involved in helping out the general klal, the general Jewish people, and the world at large. But look what the Alshach says on Avos in Bereshit. Again, the sources usually come from Chabad.org, an amazing, wonderful website. Noah walked with Elohim. Noah was personally righteous, but did not teach others as Avraham did. Therefore, if his sons had not been worthy of salvation in their own right, he could not have saved them. Again, this is not me talking, this is the great Alshach talking. Just as he was unable to save even the children of his contemporaries, a righteous man, this expression refers in a specific to one who keeps Hashem's covenant, flawless, untainted by theft. And we know that's the major major element that threw over the people in the time of the Mabel. Why was the Dora Flugga, the, the generation of the Tower of Babel, not destroyed? Because they didn't have theft. They didn't have robbery. They might have done bad things, but the robbery, Gazela, is a, is a, is a much higher level of sin in some way. That might be. Flawless means untainted by theft. So Noach didn't have theft. A lot of the other people had theft. They were gone. Noach walked with Elohim. That is, he eschewed idolatry. He he spurned idolatry. The name Elohim signifies Hashem's attribute of judgment. Thus, Noach served only out of fear, not love. And again, this is the Alshach talking. We could never say such things. We're not on any near any level. We're not judging, of course. Just getting a glimpse, getting a, a look at into the character of Noah himself. It's interesting how Noah had so many years to work on the table. What did people say to him? What did people ask him? What did people think? They probably, you know, they probably made fun of him. They probably mocked him. They probably derided him, and they probably put him down. But he still had the faith to do it. He knew the mobble was coming. Some some comments say that he waited until the water was at his knees, whatever. But he knew it was still coming. Sometimes it's hard for us to, to, to do the mitzvahs in spite of people that are mocking us, God forbid. It's hard to do the mitzvahs in spite of people that are around us. It might be difficult, but lafum sara agra, according to the exertion as the reward, we still have to stand up and do it. So Noah was someone that worked on himself. His sons maybe were influenced by him. Hopefully his wife and their wives hopefully were influenced by him. Even if they had their own merit, the sons maybe on some level Noah was able to reach them, but it was someone that worked on himself. He was flawless. He worked on himself. We have to work have the example of Noah to at least try to work on ourselves and at least have an effect on our spouses, our kids, immediate family, extended family, and friends. We might not be able to be someone like Avram who influenced thousands. Maybe that's not everyone's tafkid. Maybe that's not everyone's personality. Maybe that's not everyone's characteristic that they have such an amazing persona drawing people close to them. There are people like that. You meet someone and you're like, wow. Immediately, I like this guy. My first impression is this guy is awesome. I could see myself being friends with him. I could see why other people like him. Some people have that chain, have that charm, have that favor that's found in the eyes of others. That's Yosef. Yosef Matzachain be'enei Hashem. Yosef Matzachain be'enei Asarada. You know, in a in the eyes of all people, Partifar, and even when he was sent to prison, Partifar escorted him personally, probably because he didn't believe the charge on some level. Even the prison warden found favor. Some people have that favor. Some people have that, that they have that ability to, to, to influence others. But we might not have that. Not everyone has that. So maybe we just have to work on ourselves. Noah probably worked on himself. He was untainted by theft. 
He walked with Hashem. He eschewed idolatry. He spurned idolatry. And he was able to do that. And idolatry and idol worship doesn't just mean actual stones and sticks and things that you bow down to. Idolatry can come in many ways. I, I forget who, ta- who talked about this, but when you worship yourself, you worship celebrities, you worship entertainers, you worship football players or movie stars, you worship money, fame, and power. That's also a form of idol worship on some level because you're putting power. You're putting a lofty level. I would love to have this. I need to have this. This is my role model. This is what, this is my person that's of influence. This is what I need to have. You're putting such power in these ideals. The only power and the only thing we should worship and look up to is Hashem, not money. Not honor, not celebrities, Lahabdul, God forbid, not any of these personalities. These people are all hevel. These people are all, it's worthless. What are they doing? They go on a screen and they act and this is what you're worshiping. They go on a screen and they say a couple of lines and they, Hollywood makes them up in a certain way that makes you think that this is the ideal type of relationship. This is the ideal person, influencer, yada, yada. It's all hevel. This is not people, who are we, people we look up to? People are so obsessed with Instagram and Pinterest and Facebook and all these other grams, whatever, but it's all hevel. We have to look up to only Hashem. Don't be pulled in by the fake worship of fakeness in society and fakeness in the world around us. You can have role models of Tanakh, have role models in the Gemara, have role models of the actual people in Perkeavos, the actual people, the wonderful rabbis, the wonderful sages of our generation and previous generations. You want to have a real role model? Have a rabbi card expedition. The the Torah cards, I remember growing up, that was one of the coolest things. And and I say that because things not always in yeshiva are like so cool in the Jewish day school. But the Torah cards, I love the different elements of the of the Tanakh. I wonder if they still have it. Maybe we should get it for our kids. Such a cool thing, the Torah cards. And they have rabbi cards, which I think is, is a wonderful idea. The whole the whole story of Joe DiMaggio's card, if you ever heard that, that song by... Journeys, it's a beautiful story how they talk about this Joe DiMaggio card worth a ton of money. But in the end of the day, he won, he got his, his best friend's card as a rabbi card. His grandson gave it to him. And that card he kept in his, in his locked drawer because that card was more meaningful than anything else. Who are we looking up to? Are we spurning all types of idol worship in our days? Are we spurning all types of people that are pulling us and people that are s- like quote-unquote influencing her and people that are being worshipped and things that are being worshipped and this is not even talking about other ways of life and other religions of course you can't be bowing down to buddha hindu and uga and whatever ugaba and whatever but we have to be talking and going in the jewish way of life the judaic way of life we have to be following the right things and not following things that pull us noah and his time spurned idolatry how are we pushing away things that are pulling us in our own times bidoratav in your generation in our generation, what are we doing to spurn off the, the worshiping? The, there's too much worship of physicality, of looks, of the external. That's what society pressures us to worship. That's what society tells us is wonderful and beautiful. That's what society tells us should be looked up to. And that's the, the wonderful, wonderful, wonderful top things that we should have. This is how you should look. This is how you should dress. This is what you should wear. We got to spurn those things. We should worship only the right things. Torah, being involved in mitzvahs, being involved in chesed, following the real role models of the great sages, the great 
rabbis in our day? Why do we have to look anywhere else for people to be role models? Just look at the Tanakh. There's amazing personalities in the Tanakh. I always tell my wife, why don't they make movies out of all these amazing characters? Moshe's life for sure. David and Melch's life is full of everything. It has intrigue, it has danger, it has suspense. And, uh, and then he finds all these different wives, so you can involve elements of finding a, a wife. There's so many elements. You think about the Nevi'im with these crazy stories, Eliyahu, one of my favorite Nevi'im, Elisha. And you look at the, the lives of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, the Shvatim. There's so much in the Torah itself. Why do we have to go elsewhere? That's why we look in our own life to try to find the, the good things that can influence us. Of course, we need to relax at the end of the day. Why not pull, pull open a Jewish novel? It doesn't have to be non-Jewish. There's so many novels. I'm pretty much obsessed nowadays with, with perusing, finding good Jewish novels from Feldheim and Shar Press is my favorite. And you go to Target Press and all these other presses, they have all these books, really good books, and they focus on real Jewish Yiddish elements, the Jewish elements, Judaic elements. You could still have suspense. You could still have mystery. You could still have detective elements, which are all genres that are my favorite and you could get it from the jewish aspect why go to other music there's really good jewish music why go to other movies and tv if you could find it it's very hard for me to find but think of the show shtisel for example really good amazing ability to find looking at a, a hasidic way of a life it's such a beautiful concept why do we have to go elsewhere if only there could be thousands of jewish movies and thousands of jewish tv that would be amazing but we gotta eschew what society shows what society worships like Noah issued in his days but Torah Tav what do we do in our days as the Talmud explains Lahavdul even Wikipedia points out there were seven Noahide laws interesting also brought up in this Parsha which according to the Talmud were given by God as a binding set of laws the Sheva Mitzvot B'nai Noah and the Noahide law is that even the non-Jews are supposed to keep are supposed to be a part of that is encompassing on all of humanity seven of them not to worship idols not to curse God to establish courts of justice have a justice system people think oh it's nice it's a judeo-christian ideal to have a it's a real noahide law it comes way back all the way back to noah's time you need to have justice in the land not to commit murder not to commit adultery bestiality or immoral acts not to steal and kidnapping is is also in stealing because it's a different element and not to eat flesh torn from a living animal and it's such a bewildering thing you think of that law do people really do that you think to yourself is that found do we see that anywhere but it's true people go in different parts of the world and they literally rip off a limb from an animal and they'll eat it it's like nasty it's gross but apparently it was done apparently it's still done they might then cook it, but it was taken from the live animal. You can't eat that. And we have to be so careful with the shochetim and all the people involved that all the sinews are gone. There's not even a tiny piece taken from the animal. So careful with it. Fascinating that these are the laws. There are elements and there are so many laws encompassed in those seven laws. These are just seven categories, really. There's a lot, a lot of little laws in those categories. So to be a real society, a real good society, it really needs to have these things. Don't curse God. Don't worship idols. And that means, again, all type of idolatry. I don't know who said that, but I think for sure it applies to worshiping the wrong things, worshiping money, fame, power, and the wrong type of beauty, the wrong type of, of... Aspects, having the proper morality, the proper modesty, which is so lacking nowadays, to establish courts of justice, don't commit murder, don't commit immoral acts, and don't steal, don't eat flesh from the live animal. As a side note, the Parashashim also talks about to Noah about the rainbow. People love to look at a rainbow, but really, I saw a search, you're not supposed to stare at the rainbow, because the rainbow is not really a great thing. The rainbow reminds us of the terrible things we did in Noah's time. The rainbow is the promise, Blinander, that Hashem won't ever fully take 
take out the world like he did in Noah's time. The rainbow is the unofficial symbol recalling the flood in which a rainbow appears to Noah after the great flood, indicating that Hashem would not flood the planet and destroy all life again. Fascinating things that come up in this Parsha so applicable for us. We have to realize to be involved in a just life, be involved in influencing and following the right things, all learned from the time of Noah. We'll look at another Pasuk where it says, Vayomer la, Vayomer, excuse me, let me read that correctly, Vayomer Elokim lenoach, Kates kol basar balefanai ki haaretz chamas mipnehem. Hashem said to Noach, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence before them. What does that mean, the end of all flesh? What is that talking about? So Rashi picks up, whenever you find pr- promiscuity and idolatry, immorality, a pestilence comes upon the world, kills both good and bad alike, which is fascinating. It brings shivers up my spine. What are we going through in this crazy element of 2020? A pestilence, a pandemic, a plague unheard of in our lives. I mean, there were in the past the, the Spanish plague and the Spanish flu and this other one, but in our days for for a hundred years, we haven't heard of anything crazy, a plague, a pandemic. Hashem says, Rashi tells us, when you find promiscuity, when you find immorality, when you find idolatry, and again, that means idolatry, worshiping the wrong things, not just different religions, not just the wrong false gods, God forbid, Lo Elena, we only should pray to Hashem, but you worship the wrong aspects of anything in life. That also could fall under idolatry. You're worshipping power. You're worshipping money. You're worshipping false beauty. Falling prey to all these things. That's the eight Sahara of nowadays maybe. we. Whenever you find these things, a pestilence comes upon the world. Corona doesn't distinguish between an 80-year-old and a two-year-old. It doesn't distinguish between a 50-year-old and a 20-year-old. It doesn't distinguish if you're poor. It doesn't distinguish if you're rich. It doesn't distinguish if you're high in society, low in society. The president just had corona, and all these people, these very, uh, very, um, under the radar people had it. It doesn't, it doesn't distinguish. It doesn't matter if you're a good person, quote unquote, or a bad person, quote unquote. Of course, a person is there some of their deeds, but we shouldn't judge people. We could disagree on actions, but it kills both good and like. It comes about maybe on some tiny level, as Rashi explains to us, you find these things, pestilence come. And also, this pestilence it explains why Hashem destroyed the whole world. What really made the whole world be destroyed in the time of Noah? Because the earth has become full, Hamas, of robbery. Their verdict was sealed only because of robbery. Think about the word Hamas also. It reminds us of the terror organization, where I don't even want to get into that aspect, but think about the word interesting, how robbery is Hamas, and that's the name of a, a terrible organization, but that's for another time. But think about the idea that the whole world's verdict of being destroyed was sealed because of robbery. So if we see robbery, and it's not even the robbery where someone just steals from a bank, little aspects of robbery, God forbid, could could add up. You steal this guy's stuff without asking. You take this without asking. Oh, he wouldn't mind. How do you know he wouldn't mind? Did you ask him? Even something as small as a pencil, if you can, should be asked if you can borrow it. I forget who says that, but that generation was so destroyed. The Medjush Rabbah points out, why was the generation of the flood utterly destroyed, but not the generation of the tower? Because the generation of the flood were consumed by robbery. They were consumed by violence. While amongst the generation of the Tower of Bavel, love still prevailed. It's very scary times out there. You look at the riots. You look at, they say that this life matters and this life matters. You say that this organization is standing up for good. But what's really involved? Violence. Hate. 
destruction. If you were such a, a peaceful organization, you're such a peaceful movement, why is there such violence, destruction, and death? Violence was one of the ways that our fate was sealed back in the time of the flood. Don't let violence get the best of you. Don't let violence be involved, and don't destroy those around you. Robbery and violence leads to full destruction of the world, at least in the time of the generation of the flood. The flood. Rashi Medrash Tanchuma points out, Hashem says, make yourself an, uh, an ark, a teva. Hashem has many ways to save someone. Why did he make Noah build, toiled to make the ark? In order that the people of his generation should see him occupied with the task for 120 years. And they should ask him, why are you doing this? He would tell them that Hashem is bringing a flood upon the world. Perhaps this would cause them to repent. We should be involved in things and aspects open to our neighbors, open to those around us, that they say, why are you doing this? Like at the Seder, why are you leaning to the left? Why are you eating vegetables and mara? Why are you eating? Why are you dipping? Why are you doing all these things? Because Hashem is involved. Hashem wants X, Y, and Z. When we go about a Moadim, we go about Shabbos, a lot of times my children ask me things. It's wonderful for them to ask and we should answer them to the best of our ability and their level why we do things. Why do we do Shabbos, Abba? Why do we have a Shabbos Abba? <laughs> why do we have a Shabbos Ima? But Abba, why do we do Shabbos? What's Hanukkah? Hanukkah is my favorite holiday of the entire year. I am like obsessed with Hanukkah. It's coming upon us in, a, in two months or so, and I'm very excited. I keep telling them my favorite holiday. We ordered some books about Hanukkah. You try to read through the Parsh. You try to read through the Moadim. We want people to understand, why are you doing this? Why are we involved in this? Our kids should be... Stimulated to be asking questions, not just on Pesach Seder night, which we say is all about the kids. Our whole life should have the kids involved in asking questions. Why do we do this? Why do we do that? What's the Torah? Why are we involved in the Torah? What's the mitzvah? Why do we do sukkahs? Why do we do the lul of Esrog? Hopefully we have the answers ready that Hashem gives us. Like Noah was building the ark and the people should have asked him for 120 years, what are you doing? So to our own life, do things in a way, get the kids involved. They should ask, why do we do things? How do we relate to Hashem? How do we do mitzvahs and chesed? The Zohar points out, when God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, Noah said, what will you do with me? He didn't pray for mercy for the world as Avram would pray for the city of Sodom. This is why the flood is called the waters of Noah. Again, we don't judge, this is not me talking, the Zohar saying. That's why the flood is called the waters of Noah. He is culpable for them because he did not appeal for mercy on the world's behalf. Again, we're not judging. We're just talking what the what the people are saying here. Do we speak for other people? Do we daven for other people? If someone needs something and you daven for them and you need the same thing, you'll be answered first. Hashem explains and the commentators and the Talmud explains. So what you know someone else needs the same thing is you pray for them a little harder than yourself. Maybe Hashem will help both of you. That's the idea of Avram praying to open up all the all the things that were closed in the time of the story of Sarah's abduction by Avimelech, and Avram himself was answered before even them. Hashem already remembered Sarah. I believe Rashi, the commentators, point out that she would have a kid because he prayed for all those other people. He himself was saved also. And the Lubavitcher Rebbe explains, Noah tried to save his generation by calling on them to repent. But the fact that he did not pray for them implies that Ultimately, it did not matter to him what became of them. Again, we're not judging. These are just the commentators explaining. Had he truly cared, he would not have sufficed with doing his best, but he would have implored the Almighty to repeal his decree of destruction, just as a person whose own life is in danger would never say, well, I did my best to save myself, and leave it at that, but would beseech Hashem to help him. In other words, Noah's involvement with others was limited to his sense of what he ought to do for them, as opposed to a true consent for their well-being. Don't tell me I should do X or Y. Think about what the whole clown needs, what the Jewish 
which people need, what people around you really need. Don't think about, I think they might need this. Think about really what can people use and, and benefit from your talents. He understood the necessity to act for the sake of another, recognizing that a failed to do so is a defect in one's own character, but he fell short of transcending the self to care for others beyond the consideration of his own, excuse me, beyond the consideration of his own righteousness. This also explains the curious aspects of Noah's efforts to reach out to his generation. When the flood came, they entered the ark alone. His 120-year campaign yielded not a single Baal Tshuva. Perhaps public relations was never Noah's strong point, but how are we to explain the fact that not a single person was won over during 120 years? In order to influence others, the Lubavitcher Rebbe explains and continues, one's motives must be pure. In the words of the sages, words that come from the heart enter the heart. When you want to talk to others, be true to yourself, be true to your words, believe it inside and out. Your inside should match your outside. Those words should become truing from your inside to penetrate others. Deep down, a person will always sense whether you truly have his interests at heart as you are filling a need of your own by seeking to change him. Or, excuse me, or if you are filing a need or filling a need of your own by seeking to change him. If your work to enlighten your fellow stems from a desire to do the right thing, but without really caring about the result, your call will be met with scant response. The echo of personal motive, be it the most laudable of personal motives, will be sensed if only subconsciously by the F object of your efforts will ultimately put him off. So maybe we have to figure out how to help those around us. We might not be the biggest cure of monster out there. We might not be the big, big, biggest cure of person out there. We have to find a way to help those around us, be involved in those around us, understand to do things that people will ask, do things that people want to be involved, have a Shabbos table, invite people to the Shabbos table, show them davening, show them the beautiful words of the beautiful timeless songs, and show them the Torah, show them a beautiful Shabbos meal. Understand to not be involved in the avodazar of nowadays, not be involved in the idol worship, whether it be power, money, immodesty, or lacking morals in so many ways, and smear campaigns, and, and, and the pure sinat chinam we see, and lashon hara we see, we got to do the opposite, avat chinam, lashon tov, to help all those around us. Avoid avodazar in all aspects, be involved, make sure society has all the seven mitzvahs that we're supposed to do, understand why the rainbow was there, understand why Hashem was around why Hashem made Noah in his time, how he was in his generation, try to be righteous and flawless, untainted by theft or robbery or violence. Those are not the answers. Those will only bring the end, God forbid, closer. Eshoo. All types of idolatry, including all the types that are present today. And understand what we're supposed to do in our generations. Don't judge those generations before, before you. And don't even think how you could be in those generations. Never would you know unless you're in their place and understand what you're supposed to use with your hands, what you could do to bring Nachama, Zayin Nachamene, what will you bring with your hands, your talents to make the world a better place? All these lessons could be learned from Noah, and if we can internalize some of these things, maybe we'll be Zoha for Mashiach to come speedily in our days. Maybe we'll be Zoha for the third base of Angels, the final base of Angels, to speedily come in our days. May that be soon. Bimhera Viamenu Amen. Join us next time as we talk the audio DT with Reb T.